You're listening to a Sovereign Hope Church podcast with pastor and teaching elder Adam Vinson. Exodus chapter 13. Um, but before we get into that, um, wanted to kind of remind you that uh, over the past four weeks now, we did have Adam McLeod teach us from uh, John chapter 14 um, and tied it in with where we were at at the time in Exodus with the Passover uh, meal. And so Exodus, we fast forward all the way to John where Jesus is about to, to die on the cross and is kind of having that final supper with his disciples and begins to talk through um, the, the second coming and the anticipation of him leaving and what that's going to look like. So he's kind of talking through them uh, what, what's coming, right? That, that he's going to be leaving and there's, there's fearful, troubled hearts that start to set in. And so he offers a lot of comfort in that encouragement. Adam McLeod drew us to that. The uh, summary sentence for that week was, believers can take great comfort in the truth that Jesus cares about the condition of your heart, knows that the greatest source of calm is found in a right understanding of who he is, what he has done, and what he will do. I want to read there from the text that he used in John chapter 14. Verse 1 says, Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself, that where I am you may be also. And you know the way to where I am going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going. How can we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you had known me, you would have known my Father also. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. It's cool kind of looking back on this passage to see how this really sets us up good for where we've been the last three weeks in Exodus, because what you have here is Jesus talking about what he plans to do in the future and how those promises and plans are meant to sustain his people in the present as they look for those things to come, that he's going to lead them, he's going to guide them, he's given them hope as far as where the final destination is going to be, what it's going to look like. And so there's this, this hope that's extended to them for how they're to process the today event, the today circumstance. How do I process that? Well, I know what God's doing. I know where he's taking me. I know where he wants me to end up. And so uh, Adam reminded us about that Jesus uses that Passover setting to reassure his followers that he can be trusted, that he's making a forever home with him, and, and that he's going to come back, that he's going to come back at some point. And so we have hope of that today as his followers as well. So going back now to Exodus, Exodus chapter 13. The last three weeks we have been looking at the children of Israel leaving Egypt and the circumstances surrounding their final delivery from the Egyptians as the Egyptians begin to pursue, right? So if you have your Bibles, look at Exodus chapter 13, verse 17. When Pharaoh let the people go, God did not lead them by way of the land of the Philistines, although that was near. For God said, lest the people change their minds when they see war and return to Egypt. But God led the people around by the way of the wilderness toward the Red Sea, and the people of Israel went up out of the land of Egypt, equipped for battle. Moses took the bones of Joseph with him, for Joseph had made the sons of Israel solemnly swear, saying, God will surely visit you, and you shall carry up my bones with you from here. And they moved on from Succoth and encamped at Etham on the edge of the wilderness. And the Lord went before them by day in a pillar of cloud to lead them along the way. 
and by night in a pillar of fire to give them light, that they might travel by day and by night. The pillar of cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night did not depart from before the people. Our summary sentence from this week. If you allow the Lord to direct your steps, expect to be led occasionally on paths that seem unnecessarily long and out of the way. But keep in mind, he knows the best ways to go to keep his promises in the best ways possible. Remember, this passage starts with Moses, who's the author of Exodus, uh, highlighting the fact that they did not go the, the, the fastest way. They didn't go the shortest way to the promised land. That God actually rerouted them a long way. And we find out why, like we're told why. Why did they go this direction? Why did they go this route? Because the other way would have been harmful to their faith. The other way would have put them in circumstances that would have damaged their ability to trust God. Not because of any insufficiencies on God's part, but because of where they were in their faith journey, they weren't going to trust him like they needed to if they had gone the easy route or the fast route. They would have encountered the Philistines and their faith would have crumbled in those circumstances. So we're told instead that God chooses to take them the long way. We've talked about over the last three weeks how God chooses to do that for us as well at times. When we look at our life and we look at the routes that he's taking us on and the directions that we're going, sometimes it feels like we're on the long route. Sometimes it feels like we're, we're going not the, the way that makes the most sense to our limited understanding, and, and we're confused and confounded as to why does God have me go in this direction? Why are we going this way? What we can trust is that when we're confused, God may not audibly speak to us. He probably won't, right? He's not going to audibly tell us, hey, we're going this way because if we had gone this way, this is what would have happened, right? Like God doesn't give us that information, but we can look at times when he did give that information and trust, hey, that's the same for me too. When I'm on the long route, it's a purposeful route. He's taking me this direction because the other ways, the ways that maybe I would have picked probably weren't the best ways to go for my faith. He oftentimes takes his people on the wrong, long route. We talked about trusting the routes that God has chosen, that sometimes the shortest distance isn't always the best route, that the worst scenarios that we experience aren't the worst, right? We talked about this too, how um, if we're not careful, we think when we're in a bad circumstance, this is as worst as it could be. Like this is as bad as it could be. And yet what we're told here, because we know, we've already seen the last couple of weeks, they do find themselves in a bad circumstance, right? They find themselves where they are encamped between the wilderness and the Red Sea, and this great army is marching towards them, and they are trapped. Like, that's a really bad circumstance, and they cry out, and they're complaining, and they're fearful. But what they don't know is that it could have been worse. They could have been facing the Philistines, and their response to the Philistines would have been way worse than just the complaining. They would have gone back to Egypt. They would have bailed on God and gone back to Egypt. So even when we find ourselves in worst-case scenarios, we can trust that these really aren't worst-case scenarios. God has protected us from those. His route's not easy here, so it's not that God just protects us from the hard routes and gives us the easy routes. No, his routes aren't easy, but God protects us from those worst-case scenarios that are always worse than the worst-case scenarios we find ourselves in. And whenever the, whatever the route, whatever the lot that we find ourselves in, we want to reach a point where our hearts trust in him. I wrote in my notes, wherever the route and whatever the lot, that goes back to what we talked about in Psalms, right? Remember we talked about the lot lines, the property lines that God gives us? 
Remember, Israel is taking a route to the promised land. And the psalm that we looked at back, back last year talked about when they were in the promised land, God gave them lot lines. He gave them places to dwell. He gave them circumstances to live in. And the psalmist talked about, I'm going to be content with the lot lines that you give me. I'm going to be content with the property lines that you give me. So wherever the route, whatever the lot, let my heart rest in you. Contentment in wherever I'm going and however I get there. I challenged you several weeks ago to trust the guide when you can't trust the route. We also find here in this passage discussions about Joseph and his bones, right? We talked about investing in the promises that God has made. Investing in the promises that God has made. Joseph, we haven't heard about since the end of Genesis. All of a sudden, he's back on the scene here at the, at the midpoint of Exodus, and they're leaving the promised land. It's been hundreds and hundreds of years since he lived, and now his bones are being brought out. And we're reminded of what he told the Israelites back at the end of Genesis. When you leave, take my bones with you, because I don't want to be buried in Egypt. I want to be buried in the promised land. And he knew they were going to the promised land. He knew God had promised to take them there, right? And so this this idea of of banking our life on the promises of God is contained here for us. We talked about how when we study scripture, when we talk about reading the Bible and, and having that regular time in God's word, it's not so we can just check boxes and say, great, I did that again. It's for us to go to God's word and find the promises that he's given to us, to find the promises that he makes to us so that we can cling to those promises, It's a major goal of studying scripture to find the promises of God and to cling to those promises. And then we see at the end of this passage, this discussion about how the Israelites are going to be guided, right? They're going to to be guided by a pillar of of cloud and a pillar of fire so they can travel by day and by night. And and this, this cloud, this pillar, it's never going to depart from them. It's always going to be with them and it's going to always go with them. We talked about how we too have guidance from God in our brightest moments and in our darkest moments right? Day and night, God guides us. Well, how does he guide us? Because I don't think any of you came here this morning because a pillar of cloud or a pillar of fire led you here. How do we, how do we, how do we tap into God's guidance today? Well, we're told from scripture, his guidance for us today comes through his spirit who lives inside of us, who indwells us. And he communicates to us through his spirit via his word, right? So that's another fruit of studying scripture is not only do we find promises to cling to, but we get guidance from the Holy Spirit showing us how we're to live our life on a daily basis. But then God also speaks to us through his people, right? It's why local church involvement is so important that we attach ourselves to other people who are wanting to follow Jesus so that when we're confused as to which route we're supposed to go, where we're supposed to be led to, what we're supposed to be doing, People in our life, godly people who are submitted to God's word, right? They can speak into our life and help guide us as well. The Holy Spirit in them speaking to the Holy Spirit in us. That's how we receive God's guidance and direction, both in our brightest moments and in our darkest moments. I challenge you to remind yourself that God knows what he's doing, doesn't get in a hurry, and as long as you follow him, you are safe in his shelter of blessing. The long way home. For some of us, we're on the long route right now. It's not the route we would have picked. Doesn't feel like the the easiest way to go. It's the best way to go. God has us on the best route for our life, even if it's the long way home. Two weeks ago, we looked at two sides to the story from Exodus 14, verses 1 through 14. 
It says in verse 1 of chapter 14, Then the Lord said to Moses, Tell the people of Israel to turn back, to encamp in front of Firehireth, between Migdal and the sea, in front of Baalzephon. You shall encamp facing it by the sea. For Pharaoh will say of the people of Israel, They are wandering in the land. The wilderness has shut them in. And I will harden Pharaoh's heart, and he will pursue them. And I will get glory over Pharaoh and all his host. And the Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord. And they did so. What's, what's ironic here? God has them turn around and back up and put themselves in a position where they can't get out of it. He traps them. We talked about how the twists, the turns, and the seeming traps of life become opportunities for us to know and acknowledge God more as we learn to trust, stand, and quietly wait for him who does all things well. This is an opportunity. It's an opportunity for him to become more known. He says, I'm about to do something here. We're going to move you guys in position where you're trapped. I'm going to incite Pharaoh to come after you. I'm going to harden his heart. He's going to want to come and take you back. And I'm going to get this great victory. And you're going to see it. Your faith is going to grow from it. My justice is going to be served. I'm going to drown these people because they are guilty of drowning your people when they killed your babies and had them thrown into the Nile River. He says, all this is about to happen, and you're going to get to see all of it before you. But he's only telling Moses this, right? Because in verse 5 it says, When the king of Egypt was told that the people had fled, the mind of Pharaoh and his servants was changed towards the people. And they said, what is this we've done? We've let Israel go from serving us. So he made ready his chariots and took his army with him. We skip down to verse 10. When Pharaoh drew near, the people of Israel lifted up their eyes, and behold, the Egyptians were marching after them. And what's their response? They feared greatly. And the people of Israel cried out to the Lord. They said to Moses, Is it because there are no graves in Egypt that you've taken us away and to die in the wilderness? What have you done to bringing us out of Egypt? Right? They, they, panic sets in for them. They, they don't know that God's about to do something great. But they've also got enough experience with God to know that that's what we, they, they, they should expect. Right? Like they've just come through the ten plagues. They've just seen all these promises of God be kept. And yet the next thing in life that happens, they immediately go back into doubt mode. Right? Like, man, God's just going to abandon us right here. Even though he's been super faithful really recently, and he's just going to abandon us here now. And they're grumbling, and they're complaining, and they're doubting. And Moses has to respond to him. It says in verse 13, Moses said to the people, fear not, stand firm, see the salvation of the Lord, which he will work for you today. For the Egyptians whom you see today, you shall never see again. The Lord will fight for you. You only have to be silent. We talked about God's side of the story, right? That Israel's position to be attacked while looking confused so that Pharaoh changes his mind and he moves to recapture them. God's side of the story is this is going to be a great victory. Israel's side of the story is this is going to be a great defeat. We're going to lose. We talked about remembering that our circumstances are opportunities by design to know God more and to acknowledge him more. Think about that truth. Every circumstance you find yourself in, the ones that, that you feel like you're choosing, the ones that feel like are out of your control, every circumstance you find yourself in is an opportunity for God to make himself further known and for you to trust him more. 
This is the circumstance given to the Israelites. Seems like there's no hope, no way of escape. Will they trust God or not? We talked about how to adjust our mindset to God's side of the story, right? God sees our circumstances as an opportunity for victory. We oftentimes see our circumstances as a major defeat. How do we get on the same page as God? Well, we talked about uh, not looking at our circumstances, but looking, looking above our circumstances to see the God who's in control, right? It talks about Israel looked up. What do they see coming? They see Egypt. We talked about how they should have kept looking up so they could see the God who is in control of the Egyptians that are pursuing them. We talked about standing firm in what we know God has done and God will do, and then being silent as we wait for him to work and move. We talked about when Moses says to fear not, that it's not a, a coddling type of perspective, like, hey, like, I know you're scared, like, don't be. It's more of a rebuke, right? Like, don't be afraid right now. Like, don't be upset. Don't be afraid about this. You have no reason to be fearful. You've just seen God work and move through the plagues. Why would you be fearful right now? We talked about how they're commanded to stand firm and to trust in the things they know about God and what he's going to do. Remember, they're carrying the bones of Joseph because they believe they're going to make it to the promised land. To be quiet and to anticipate the victory, to see it coming versus thinking about how much it can't. And I would remind you that if we believe these things that happened here in the past, if you believe Exodus, right? If you believe that God did these things, that God provided for his people, that God cared for his people, that God delivered his people, right? So you believe things about God in the past. And if you also believe that God's coming in the future, that God's going to come and he's going to rule and reign, that Jesus is coming. And when he comes, dead people are going to come back to life and they're going to get new bodies. And those of us that are alive until he comes back, we're going to get new bodies too. Like if we believe that's going to happen, why would we not believe in his provision right now? If we believe in the past provision and we believe in his future provision, how much more should we believe in his present provision? That he's going to take care of his people today, that he's with you on the long way home. He's with you on the undesirable route. We need to look above our circumstances. Believe that he's in control of them. We talked about what's the threshold of disappointment that makes you question his will and doubt his plans with fear and complaints. What has to happen in your life where you, where you start to turn towards fear and complaining? How bad do your circumstances have to get to where you start to doubt God's goodness? And hopefully that threshold continues to rise. The more we're in scripture, the more we see his faithfulness, the more we see his provision. We want to see that threshold continue to increase to where, man, I can weather the storm. I can go through hard circumstances. I can trust that even though I feel trapped, he's going to split the Red Sea open. Even though I feel like my enemies are crushing in on me, he's going to crush and bury them. We talked about how these acts of God in Exodus ought to encourage us today with whatever we're going through. Two sides to the story. And then last week, we looked at the Red Sea Road in Exodus 14, 15. The Lord said to Moses, why do you cry to me? Tell the people of Israel to go forward. Lift up your staff and stretch out your hand over the sea and divide it, that the people of Israel may go through the sea on dry ground. And I will harden the hearts of the Egyptians so that they shall go in after them. And I will get glory over Pharaoh and all his hosts, his chariots and his horsemen. And the Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord when I have gotten glory over Pharaoh, his chariots, and his horsemen. God says, this is what's about to happen. He says, you tell the people to go forward. 
As Christians, we believe when circumstances are dire and tempt us to despair, we serve a God who makes Red Sea roads where there seems to be no way forward, giving us hope he will always part the waves and never leave us alone. What do they see in this passage? They see the enemy coming. How do they respond? They're complaining. But what will they experience? God commanding the story, that God is in control of this whole thing. God's bringing the Egyptians in. We've even seen, and we won't take time to read it today, but in this passage, we see that that pillar, that pillar of fire moves so that it stands between the Egyptians and Israel, right? Like the Egyptians arrive on time to defeat Israel, but they can't get to them. Why? Because God won't let the enemy through. So God stands there in his presence. The Egyptians can't get through. All the while, the, the Israelites are grumbling and complaining and crying out in fear. Oh my gosh, we're going to die. And the Egyptians are like, how do we get through? We can't get to them. And then the Red Sea splits open and the, the Israelites are led through on dry ground. It's at that point that the presence moves so that the Egyptians can pursue. We talked about how the enemy and his plans, they can never come to fruition until God allows them to move. The enemy can't do anything without God's permission, right? And so when we see the enemy moving, when we see the enemy seemingly finding victory, man, we can trust that God is up to something greater, that this is in no way going to be victorious for the enemy. The Israelites could have still been standing there as they see the Egyptians pursuing. Oh man, they got through the fire. Now they're coming on dry ground just like us. Like they're going to get us. They're going to find victory. And then all of a sudden, boom, those waves come crashing down. All of a sudden, the dry ground gets muddy and the chariot wheels clog up and they can't get out of their circumstance. They can't get out of their scenario. The waves come crashing down to bury them. We talked about, as us Christians today, going forward, believing in a God who makes roads out of no ways. That he's going to position us so we can see him act faithfully. That he's going to work in supernatural ways, miraculous ways, to accomplish his supernatural plans in our life. We talked about how an unconquerable army closing in in an impassable sea raging on, God makes a road where there was no human way. That we should expect God to work in miraculous ways for us too. Because the things that he has planned for us can only be described supernaturally. Like when we talk about what God plans for his people, it's supernatural plans. We should expect that God is going to put us in positions where he has to work miracles in our life to accomplish those plans. And we trust him with that. We talked about seeing and believing in a God who fights for his glory and your good. Moses says, this God is going to fight for you. He's going to fight for you. You can wait and watch it happen. The enemies release. They come charging after Israel. And God crushes them, buries them. And it's good for Israel, right? Because we talked last week, now Israel can't go back to Egypt. Can't go back now. That wouldn't be a good place to go back to. Plus, the Red Sea is back to being the normal Red Sea, and we can't cross back over. And he just cuts them off from a bad past. We talked about how complaining doesn't help our predicaments today, but believing the same God can pave a Red Sea road does. Whatever, whatever you find yourself in today, and I'm, I'm challenging you and encouraging you to believe that the same God that we're talking about here can make ways today where there seems to be no way. He works and moves today like he did in the Old Testament. We can trust that. We can believe that. All right? 
There's two things that I want you to remember from these past several sermons, and then two things that we're going to strive to do going forward, which is why we call this Application Sunday, because we're not giving you new content today. We're just going over old content that we've talked about, hoping to drive home the idea that we need to do something with this. Well, we've talked in Exodus about how remembering is something that we need to do. So it's always important to remember what we've been hearing. So what what have we heard that we need to remember specifically? Number one, God always chooses your routes and designs your circumstances for gospel opportunities that strengthen rather than weaken your faith. Now here's where we have to get into the right mindset about how God works and moves, right? God is not a God who moves in such a way to make us comfortable all the time. Right? He doesn't work and move in such a way to satisfy any desire that we have. Right? If we have that type of expectation, we're going to get let down. No, our God works and moves in such a way where he gets glory and we get good. Right? And that can best be described as the gospel going forth. If the gospel goes forth in our life and in the lives of those around us, He's getting glory for it, and certainly the more we yield ourselves to God and his plan, the more we're in the good for it as well, right? We talked about this extensively in our um, D group this past Wednesday from 2 Thessalonians chapter 3. I had the first five verses, and so I was sharing my thoughts, and they tie in directly with what we're seeing here in Exodus. So I want to draw your attention to 2 Thessalonians 3 verse 1. He says, finally, brothers, Paul's talking, pray for us that the word of the Lord may speed ahead and be honored as happened among you, and that we may be delivered from wicked and evil men, for not all have faith. But the Lord is faithful. He will establish you and guard you against the evil one. And we have confidence in the Lord about you that you are doing and will do the things that we command. May the Lord direct your hearts to the love of God and to the steadfastness of Christ. What's the, what's the heart of what Paul is praying here? Right, he finds himself in difficult circumstances where he's enduring persecution for his faith. And he prays specifically that the gospel would go forth in his circumstances. He doesn't pray for his circumstances to necessarily change. He prays that in those circumstances, the gospel would go forth. What would it look like for the gospel to go forth? Well, it would look like his faith being strengthened, right? The gospel having more and more effect in his life because the gospel is all about us being changed into the image of Jesus, where we set aside our good works, we cling to his good works because he came and died in our place and lived a perfect life, which we'll celebrate through the Lord's Supper today. The gospel in my life going forth is me learning to trust him more and more, seeing my grumbling and my complaining and my doubting decreasing regularly, seeing the threshold in my life where I grumble and complain increasing because I'm more prone to trust him than to doubt him. Paul says, I want the gospel to go forth in this situation. God, you don't have to change the circumstance. Just make the gospel victorious in this circumstance. That's what we want to remember from this. That the way God chooses our routes and designs our circumstances is for gospel opportunities to happen. For gospel opportunities to happen. In ways that maybe they wouldn't otherwise have happened. Right? There's, There's things that God is doing here for Israel. He's creating opportunities for their faith to grow. 
And think about what is going to happen from this. Now, we have no reason to think that Moses is praying a similar prayer as Paul, right? You know, God, let the gospel go forth. He doesn't even know that term, right? Think about how the gospel does go forth here, though. People's faith is strengthened. And you know who comes to faith because of this? Rahab. Years later, Rahab is still hearing about this story. And when the Israelites come to town in Jericho, she comes and finds those spies and she says, take me with you because I know about your God. And I know about what he did at the Red Sea. And I don't want to be judged by him. I want to be saved by him. Man, this is a gospel opportunity. Rahab's not on Moses' radar. Moses will never even meet Rahab. But God works and moves in such a way where 40 plus years down the road, a woman named Rahab's going to get saved from this circumstance. Can you imagine if you could see into the future and knew that your circumstance today would lead to somebody's salvation 40 plus years from now? You can pray for that. You can pray for that to happen. That the gospel would go forth and be effective in your circumstances for your faith and for the faith of those around you. Trust that he's choosing routes and circumstances for that purpose. Number two, God always shields us from the worst scenarios and will oftentimes work miraculously to bring about his supernatural plans in our life. Man, let's don't ever doubt that God still works miracles. Right? We, can, we, can, we can talk and debate about whether Christians are instruments of God to work miracles today or whether that's ceased or not. What has not ceased is God working miracles, Okay? Whether God uses individuals like he was doing in the book of Acts to still do that today, we can debate about. What we don't need to debate about is whether God still does miracles today, because he does. He hasn't stopped being God. He is supernatural, and what he plans to do for us is supernatural, right? That's the only way to describe me having this body changed to where I no longer sin, where I no longer hurt my wife with my words, or I no longer hurt my kids with my attitude. Right? That, that is supernatural for my body to be changed one day where sin is completely eradicated from me. He still works miracles. So whatever circumstance you find yourself in, you can trust that he can work miracles to make ways where there are no ways right now. These two things you need to remember. These two things you need to do moving forward. When you are discouraged with your route, pray for gospel success in your life as an act of looking above your circumstances what we just read in 2 Thessalonians 3. When you're discouraged, pray for gospel success. That's how you look above your circumstances. You start looking above and you start seeing God and you say, God's doing something here. And I want to pray for that to happen. I want to pray for the gospel to be victorious. I want my faith to increase. I want people around me's faith to increase. I want people around me who aren't faithful to come to faith because of this circumstance. We can pray for the success of the gospel just like Paul did. That's how, we, that's how we get our attention off of whether this is the best route to be on or not, or whether we're really trapped or not, whether God's going to do something here or not. And we pray for God to do something. We pray for the gospel to be successful. Number two, when you're complaining about your route, pray to the God who has been miraculous in the past and who you are counting on remaining miraculous in the future to be miraculous in the present. I told you, if you believe that he was miraculous in Exodus and you believe he's going to be miraculous in Revelation in the future, you can believe he's going to be miraculous right now in between. And whatever type of miracles you need God to work and move in your life so that your faith is strengthened and that good things are brought to you 
And his glory is known to others because of what's happening in your life. When you pray to that God and you pray for him to be miraculous, we can do that with confidence because we've seen him do this in the book of Exodus and we'll continue to see him do it in the book of Exodus moving forward. Let me encourage you to remember those things. To remember, he chooses routes, chooses circumstances for gospel opportunities. Don't miss the opportunities. Pray for that success. God always shields us from the worst scenarios. And he'll work miraculously to bring about supernatural plans in our life. So let's pray to that God. Let's pray to that God to do both for us today. Let's pray, God, we love you, and we thank you that you're this type of God. Lord, we're thankful that you take us on the long way home. We're thankful that you put us in positions where all we can do is cry out to you for help because there's nothing that we can do to save ourselves. Lord, we're thankful that we have a history of faithfulness that we can look to, of how you have delivered your people. And we're thankful that you've given us enough promises about the future that we can cling to your faithfulness in the future as well, that you're going to come back. Just as you promised your disciples at that last supper, you are going to come back, and we're going to dwell with you forever. Lord, if we believe in the miracles of the past and the miracles of the future, help us to believe in the miracles today, that our circumstances are not too great for you, Our trials, our tragedies, our sufferings, they're not too great for you. But God, help us to remember that that you're not in the business of just making our route easy for us. That we don't have to pray and just ask you to remove the suffering, to remove the feelings, to remove the trial, to remove the tragedy. No, we can pray that the gospel will be victorious in the midst of it. That's why you deserve all the glory, God, because in the midst of tragedy, you gain victory. God, help us to be mindful to pray for that type of victory, to pray that the gospel would be effective, that our faith would be strengthened, and that others would come to faith because of our circumstances. We pray and ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Sovereign Hope Church podcast. We trust that you've been encouraged by the word. For more information about our church, please visit our website at www.sovhope.org. Again, that's www.sovhope.org. 